Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading of scripture and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is May the 4th. It's Thursday. May the 4th be with you. Uh, 2023, it is Thursday of the fourth week of Easter. Our gospel today, the reading is taken once again from the gospel according to St. John. When Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you understand this, blessed are you if you do it. I am not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But so that the scripture might be fulfilled, the one who ate my food has raised his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So Jesus really flips everything over, how we typically understand things and how he wants us to understand things such as loving our enemy, and so many other paradoxes or seeming paradoxes in our faith. Here, Jesus has just washed the feet of the disciples, so this is Holy Thursday. It's at the Last Supper, and Jesus says, no slave is greater than his master. Well, isn't that interesting? Because he's the master, and yet he just washed their feet. What he's trying to teach us is that the greatest among us are the servants. Wow. You know, in the church, and I mean, this is bound to happen. It happens in every organization. And uh, over time, you know, the church always needs reform. But we, we, it's just, there's such an irony, you know, that the people uh, who become maybe religious or in a certain position in church politics or whatever. There shouldn't be politics in the church, but there were already politics among the apostles. They were jockeying for position. As Jesus is going to his death, they're arguing about who's the greatest. And so, yeah, we have our parish council members, our finance council members, our diocesan council members. We have Knights of Columbus and Legion of Mary, you know, everybody that you know, there's so many people there that are good people and they get into these different positions because they want to serve. But then there is very often a gloating, a pride. Look at me. I'm the greatest servant. So there's an irony. And Jesus is trying to show us the ultimate example that, I mean, he's speaking about how he is God and he comes from the father. And he uses that phrase again. I am referring to Yahweh, referring to himself as Yahweh. And yet he washes their feet and he's trying to explain to them how he's now taken the form of a slave. As St. Paul says, he's going to die for them on the cross. So there is a paradox there. There's an irony there. And at the end of the reading, Jesus says, whoever receives the one I send receives me. So this is part of it as well. Jesus sends us. He sends others into our lives. And he says, this is part of how we will be judged. 
do we receive and how do we receive those God has sent into our lives? This isn't meant to be a very long sermon today, but just to touch on a little uh, moral theology here. Uh, I'm a big fan of Aylred of Raveau and really just the topic of spiritual friendship. I wrote my uh, thesis paper on it as I was graduating college to get my Bachelor of Arts. And there's other great writers that have written about friendship. Uh, Francis de Sales, St. Francis de Sales, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, St. John Paul II, and a few others. And there's a little material here and there throughout the Bible as well. And of course, there's tons of material in the Bible, in the writings of the saints about uh, community, communio in Latin, and what that really means, what's it all about. And I would just say, just to touch on this, because we're preaching about this gospel, um, you know, there's different levels of charity. There's different types of charity. Jesus tells us to love everyone, to love our neighbor, to love our enemies, When they're questioning him about the love of neighbor, then he gives them the parable of the Good Samaritan, which just goes to show, you know, he doesn't even answer the question. He he rephrases the whole thing when he says, who was the neighbor to the Samaritan or or who was the neighbor to the the one that was, um, you know, beaten up and left for dead and, and that desperately needed help? It was the Samaritan. In other words, the one who showed charity. So it's not about arguing about who is my neighbor. It's about being the best neighbor that we can be. But just for the sake of practicality, I want to talk a little bit about just how do we know we're called to charity? I mean, okay, we're called to to love everyone. That means to not hate them. Another opposite of love is lust. JP2, John Paul II in his Theology of the Body really tries to get us to focus on this. We're not just called to not hate people. We're also called to not lust after people. That's a sin against love. That's also the opposite of love. But then there's a proactive love. Now, to say I'm supposed to love everybody, does that mean I'm supposed to proactively love everyone in the world right this minute? I'm supposed to go to Africa and and feed everybody that's starving and go to Antarctica right now this minute and go to Australia and go to India Well, no, we can't do all that, but we try to discern God's will. We try to discern his calling. Getting back to the topic of friendship, Aylred of Raveau says friendship is a particular type of charity. Charity slash love is something that we are all called to do towards everyone. And and yes, we have to discern to what degree do I owe love to this other person and what does that mean? Like, for example, somebody's hurt us. We don't have to necessarily go live with them or be their best friend but we are called to forgive. We are called to let go of grudges. We are called to show basic kindness. Um, But Elred says friendship is a particular type of charity. So this is one thing that needs to be discerned. Who are my friends? And he says friendship has to be tested. It has to be reciprocal. If the other person can't be trusted, well, then they're not going to be a good friend. So this is one way that we receive the one that Jesus has sent us. Jesus puts people, God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, puts people in our path to be our friends. And when we have friends, then we owe them certain amounts of charity, and that's what friendship is. It's a commitment to a greater, deeper, particular charity. If someone is my friend, I owe them greater amounts of time and love and attention than I do 
the stranger on the street. Unless, of course, the stranger on the street is called to be my friend. But like I say, Elrid says that has to be tested over time. So there's friendship, but then there's even just the charity that we owe the people in front of us. Are there people in our lives that are in need and they don't have what they need and we could supply those needs? People in our neighborhood, people in our own homes, people that we neglected this past day, this past week, people we got annoyed with, people we were impatient with. Were we supposed to show them kindness and charity, give them some of our time and attention, or did we ignore them? As I read this passage, and our Lord is speaking in a way that's just, you know, for them, they're probably blown away to hear these words, that, the, you know, that the master is going to serve, and that he's come as a servant, and then that the, the little ones that come to us, whoever is sent to us, they are Jesus in disguise, You know, Jesus is teaching these types of things that are hard to grasp. And one of the things that comes to mind is St. John Bosco talking to his priests about how to minister to the young boys in the orphanages. And he says, remember, they are your masters. And that's something. Don't tell them that because they could take advantage. But they are your masters. In other words, he says, when inflicting discipline, and inflict is really maybe not even the right word, but when you are enacting discipline, make sure it is for them and their good and not for you to simply vent your anger and your frustration at them. It requires lots of patience, which requires lots of prayer. It's a growth in virtue that's needed. Remember, these young people are your masters. When I'm teaching Oh my goodness, that can be a challenge, but I have to constantly remember that. These young people are my masters. They are Jesus in disguise. I still might have to enact some discipline, give a lesson, give homework, give a failing grade, what have you. But remember, they are Jesus. And therefore, I have to treat them with the greatest respect For anybody here who has children or grandchildren, they are your masters. (laughs) Just don't tell them that. (laughs) But it's living a truly virtuous life means remembering that they are Jesus. I also am reminded of the story of St. Martin of Tours, a Roman soldier who became Christian. And the other Romans, some of them made fun of him. They criticized him for becoming Christian. And one day there was a homeless man And he was freezing, and so he took his robe and he cut it in half, and he gave half of it to the homeless man to keep him warm, and then he kept the other half because he needed to stay warm as well. He had a nice, fancy, big cloak, and now he looked ridiculous, but he accomplished the goal, and he treated that man as if he was Jesus. And then later that night, when he was in bed, Jesus appeared and said, here's your robe back. Thanks for giving it to me. In other words, that was me. I was the one that appeared to you. How many times am I stopped on the side of the road at a red light and there's somebody homeless, begging, maybe even somebody that's obviously high? And is it possible that that's Jesus? I mean, it is Jesus, but is it possible in the way that it was for St. Martin that that's literally Jesus? How do we know? Well, it shouldn't matter. If that's a miraculous apparition (laughs) or if it just simply is a person in need and then how do we help them? It doesn't mean you give them all your money. 
but how do we help them? Somebody's starving. Okay, we don't give them money. Are you going to go get something to eat for that person and bring it back to them? This is what we're called to do. I'm not saying this because I'm perfect. I, I have very, very far to go here, but man. And then discerning. Is God calling me to show charity to this person right now? Well, what if there's somebody else that needs my charity? What if I'm picking up my kid at school and there I'm going to be late if I go get a sandwich for this person? Well, okay, maybe there's another way to do that. Maybe next time around, maybe carry extra food in the car to give to these people. I don't know. And then getting back to love being the opposite of lust, John Paul II, in his writings, helps us to see, and this is going to blow you away, but it's something that we need to hear and we need to start practicing more and more. It's not just the poor. It's not just the sick. It's not just the imprisoned. But it's the emotionally poor. And I, I'm thinking, you know, John Paul II was all about working against lust working for a greater dignity in human love. And so, yes, there's nakedness involved there too. Maybe not because the person's poor, but because they're poor in other ways and they're desperate for attention, maybe the attention they didn't get at home as children. And now, you know, we have a whole world filled with people just practicing promiscuity across the board, not recognizing their own dignity and we have an opportunity to show them that dignity, to remind them of that dignity. Do we think to ourselves when we see wherever it is, someone on a movie, someone on a billboard, someone we're walking past, someone on the beach that's half naked, that's advertising something, that's promoting promiscuity. When we see that, do we think that there is Jesus? That person requires dignity and love and respect as Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus would miraculously appear in a certain way that's going to cause temptation, but still that is someone made in God's image and likeness. And very often they're doing what they're doing because no one's ever taught them their dignity. No one's ever taught them their worth. And we have to strive to overcome our own temptations and our own issues in order to reach past the appearance. And like I say, for each one of us, we discern this. Each one of us is different and we each have a different threshold. We each have different strengths and weaknesses in this regard, but we are called to show dignity to that person, to love them with a genuine love, to get past lust, to work against lust and to show love. There's the great story uh, from, I think Pope John Paul told the story. I don't know. It's an old story. I've heard it told by a lot of different people about the two bishops walking down the street. And there was a young woman that walked by who was half dressed and she might have been a prostitute. And the one bishop stared at her and the one bishop was so quick to turn his eyes away. And after they walked by, the one that turned his eyes away said to the one that stared, uh, how, how could you do that? You're in sin. You need confession. It's a horrible thing you just did. And he just very calmly turned to the other bishop and in so many words said, you looked away because that was the right thing for you. You needed to look away. You needed to avoid temptation. For me, I, I didn't look at her that way. I looked at her in a fatherly way. I looked at her with great love and I said a prayer for her. Isn't that something? So whereas they both did the right thing, and a lot of times we need to be that person that just looks away, 
but the one that stared and smiled and prayed, there that one was showing more maturity. And once again, each of us is in a different place with our own level of maturity. But just to sum it all up here, it's a reminder when we look at everyone, regardless of where this person is coming from, that we, we just have to train ourselves to, to remember that the people that offend us, the people that bring reactions from us of one sort or another, they are Christ. The Lord allowed that person to be on our path today. And how are we going to respond to each one of these persons as Christ and remembering that they are Christ? You know, remember the Trinity. It's this endless back and forth of love. And they call us into that love. So we have to be Jesus and we have to remember that the other is Jesus. Whoever receives one that I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the Father, the one who sent me. Have a great day. God bless.